mailbox and getting cards and opening up and hearing from friends we haven't heard from since last Christmas. We love getting gifts. We love getting the family together. And Wednesday, all our children and grandchildren will be in our house. And it'll be a great time. What's Christmas mean to us? Have you ever thought about what Christmas means to God? What does Christmas mean to God? Back in World War II, there was a young man that enlisted in Scotland in the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders, went to war. He was an agnostic, no interest or really concern with God. And he fought in uh, Southeast Asia and he was captured by the Japanese forces and ended up spending three years in a POW camp. And while he was there, he encountered two devout Christians that changed his thinking. He couldn't understand the things that they taught the men. He couldn't understand the things that they did. Towards the end of the war, the Allies made a bombing run over their camp, not knowing that there were Allied servicemen there. They bombed the camp. And they also bombed another Japanese installation up the road a bit. And a number of men that were uh, wounded at that other Japanese installation, they were loaded on a truck and driven to this POW camp for help. The commandant of the camp didn't want them there, ordered them to leave, at gunpoint ordered them to leave. And the man driving the truck tried to start it up again and it wouldn't start and the commandant ordered his men to try to help get the truck started so they could leave and take their problems elsewhere. And that's when Ernest Gordon of the Argyle Highlanders stepped forward and did the unthinkable. Take a look. Captain Gordon, I forbid you to give comfort and aid to the enemy. Major, those are wounded, dying human beings. They're no harm to us. Help me get back to your own men. Someone please get me some water. Could someone please get me some water? 
God had not shown mercy to us, there would be no Christmas, no December 25th. There would be no presents, there would be no Christmas tree. There would be no carols sung. There would be nothing at the end of December that we commemorate but for God's mercy. Christmas is evidence that God is a promise-keeping Promise-making and promise-keeping God, but it is on the back of God's mercy that that promise arrives. How many of you here have purchased uh, something from Amazon.com in the last month? You betcha. I don't know if you saw that meme going around on Facebook. It's a, a picture of somebody's front porch with about 75 Amazon packages on. And the... Uh, the the line beneath it is, don't, don't drink and shop. <laughs> you ever think about it? it? Were it not for the UPS driver, though, the FedEx driver, the carriers, you'd never get the things that you ordered. You'd never enjoy them. Somebody had to bring the things that you ordered online to you. Or otherwise, it's just wishful thinking. Something in the heart of God had to bring the gift of Christmas to rebels like us. Our text this morning is Luke chapter 1. And we are, these last several weeks, we've been looking at Mary's song. And we'll read the entire song again today, but our focus will be on verses 50. 4 and 55, Luke 1, beginning at 46. This is right after Mary had uh, met with her relative, Elizabeth, who was also pregnant. Mary's pregnant with uh, uh, her baby. And we talked last week about how exuberant she sounds. Uh, You would think that would be unlikely in as much as she is a, a, a teenager, a pregnant teenager, unmarried, the talk of the town likely. And she responds, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. Just a footnote here, you don't have to be Roman Catholic to call Mary blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. Remember last week we said that it's very possible that these words are not Mary looking back at all that God has done in the past, but prophetic looking ahead at all that her son will do in the future as he brings the kingdom 
He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Father, thank you for the mercy that you showed us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the heart that moved toward us rather than away from us, that determined to pick us up instead of crush us, which was a rightful due. Speak to us this morning through your word and your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary sings of God's mercy, especially towards her people, the Jews, verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. Now, we want to talk this morning first, we're going to get to mercy in a bit, but let's talk about God's promise before his uh, mercy, since Christmas is about the fulfilled promise. Now, the promised delivery is really the heartbeat of Mary's entire song here. Now, you and I, we make promises and we break promises. We do it all the time. Uh, for some reason, the last three months, I've been making, uh, breaking promises regularly to my local library. I take books out, and about a day or two after they're due, I look and I'm like, oh, they was, that was due a couple days ago. And instead of rushing to the library and taking care of business, I think to myself, that they need to find money anyway. 35 cents a day, they can buy another book if I keep it out long enough. But there's a promise. I, when I took the book out, she wrote it down and she said, this book is due in two weeks and there's a little, there's a little slip that's printed out, says that right on there. I made a promise essentially and I broke it. We break all kinds of promises, some small, some large. You know, as, as, a, as a dad, I remember promising things to my children that I didn't come through on. I promised things to my wife. You know, I'll be home at 5.30 for dinner. And I roll in about 10 of 6. And then there are big things, big promises that we make that we break. I promise before God and these witnesses that I will love you until death do us part. And then 10 years later, file for divorce. We break promises all the time. God makes promises and never breaks them. God's never even broken a single promise that he has ever made to anyone. You know, we, we like to throw stones at our politicians, don't we? Because they say, oh, they make all these promises and then they break them. It's almost like we vote for these people that we think will, we, they claim that they'll do what we want, but we don't really expect them to follow through. And then their broken promises make front page headlines, but ours rarely do. God never breaks his promises, not even once. And the promise that God fulfilled in Christ, at Christmas time, he first spoke about in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, after he had placed man and woman, he created man and woman, placed them in the garden, perfect garden. I mean, everything, perfect weather, uh, there's, there's no people around to tempt them to do something wrong there's there's no sin nature in their heart I mean everything was going right God says I just have one thing uh, you can enjoy the garden I just have one thing I don't want you to do don't eat from that tree over there and it's just like your children parents 
You tell them all the things that they can do. They can play with all these toys and they can go, they can go all these places around the neighborhood except this place. And where does your child go? All the place, of all the places they could play, they want to play at the place where you tell them not to. Now, the difference between your child and Adam and Eve is that your child has a sin nature because of what Adam and Eve did. They didn't. And instead of God cleaning house after this bad start for humanity, he says this as he meets out judgment to the man, meets out judgment to the woman, meets out judgment to Satan, the king of demons. Verse 15 says, I will cause hostility between you, Satan, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. And you're going to injure that offspring, but he's going to crush you. This was the, the very first book of the Bible God has already laid out. In the first days of humanity, God has already laid out a, a, just a hint of the promise he's going to fulfill one day. Just a few chapters later, he calls out a man from Ur of the Chaldees, Abraham, beginning of the Jewish nation. And God did this because in chapter 11, the, the people of the earth are trying to make a name for themselves. Verse 4, you remember that big tower they built, going to build it up to heaven? And the NLT says, we want to make ourselves famous. But what it literally says is we want to make a name for ourselves. And God's not opposed to architecture. He's not opposed to engineering, but he is opposed to us making a name for ourselves in the face of the name that is great. And so he calls out Abram, I want you to take your entire extended family and go to Canaan. I'm going to give you that land there. He says this in Genesis 12, 1. The Lord said to Abram, leave your, your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Now, Abraham didn't even have any kids at this point. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I'll make you famous, literally. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing to others. Now, we don't know who all the others are at this point, but he continues, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All, now we know who the others are. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. All the families on earth will be blessed through you, meaning everyone can have the opportunity to have what I'm going to give through your line, Abraham. Now, Jewish people, Mary's ancestors, Abraham's descendants, Jewish people are not Christmas people. I read <clears throat> some time ago, uh, one Jewish man made this comment. He says, Christmas is the best, is the biggest thing separating American Jews from mass American culture. It's the biggest holiday of the year. Made, inesca made inescapable by decorations and seasonal music. It's also inescapably Christian, as much as the holiday has commercialized and secularized over the years. The nativity scenes, joy to the world, even Santa, we don't have saints in Judaism, he says, are all reminders to us Jews that we aren't in the majority here. And yet the promise came through the first Jew. Just as a reminder to us who follow Jesus, there's no room 
in our thinking, in our hearts for anti-Semitism. Joseph, Mary in the manger were Jews. The baby that lay there before them was a Jew. The 12 men that Jesus tapped to follow him and proclaim the gospel to the world were Jews. It's interesting, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he's talking about the gospel and it being for all people. He says this, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. And there's no period after that. There's a continuation that goes like this. The Jew first and also the Gentile. I don't know about you, but I'm convicted so many times about how I have not touched the Jewish people. As far as I know, there's only one person at Keystone has a Jewish background. Probably more, but only one that I know. And this priority to go to the Jewish people, and yet how often the Gentile world has become our focus in our times. Make no mistake about it, the Christmas promise began with Jewish people. The Christmas promise began with Jewish people. And so Mary can think back about her people and proclaim the mercy of God to Israel, to her ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Now let's talk about the mercy of God for these remaining minutes. The mercy of God. I have the heading, if you have the outline, the carrier delivers, just like FedEx driver or UPS driver delivers your boxes. The carrier that has delivered the Christ child to us is God's mercy. It was mercy that drove God to send his one and only son to you and for you. It was mercy. When I was 16 years old, I was driving through the borough of Strasburg. I was out later than I should be. I was coming back from my girlfriend's house. And back in those days, we had a junior license and a senior license. Junior license you had from age 16 to 18, and you had a curfew. You had to be home by 12 o'clock. It was about 12.30 or so. Um, and I, was, uh, I went through the intersection of the, up there in Main Street, and it wasn't long, I'm driving, and I see red lights in my rearview mirror. I pulled over, and I thought, this isn't going to go well. The officer came up to my window and asked for my license and, and uh, gave it to him and he came back and I'm thinking, oh, how much is this going to cost? And that was in the days when I was making $1.10 an hour at Dairy Queen. And he said to me, I've got you for three things, curfew, um, speeding, and you went through a blinking red light. And I'm like, I did? And he said, yeah, you, you pulled up behind someone, he stopped, and then he went on through, and you just followed him right through. I'm like, is there a problem with that? <laughs> I thought that's what you do. 
It's 12.30 at night. Not a lot of traffic in Strasburg. And he says, well, I don't want you to lose your license. So what I'm going to do is write you up only for the going through the blinking red light. That'll be a $5 fine and $5 costs. This was 1969. <laughs> and I thought, I am so blessed. That's mercy. Not getting what I rightfully deserve. Now, Chris, Mike, I don't know how this works today. I don't know if you guys actually have quotas. Is that, is that an urban myth that you actually have quotas? Okay, you're not going to commit to that. <laughs> I don't blame you. As far as I know, it didn't cost him anything to do that, to not write me up for all three charges. Mercy. The real mercy is when it costs you something. I remember talking to a man one time who was not a believer, and uh, he said, I believe in God, but he said, I can't believe in the God of the Bible. And he gave me a number of reasons. One of them that he gave me was Genesis 22. I cannot imagine a God who would tell a man to kill his son. And if you know your Bible, you know the story. Abraham, I want you to go out and take your son, who might have been 14, 15 years old at the time. I want you to take him up to Mount Moriah, and I want you to offer him as a burnt offering to me. And he went. And I told that man, I said, I, I, I think I have an explanation for that. The reason God did that was not so that Abraham would kill his son, because if you know the end of the story, you know he didn't. That God stopped Abraham before he was about to drop the knife. And he said, don't do that. This was a test. Over there's a sheep in the thicket. I want you to take that ram and offer it as a sacrifice because now I know you trust me. But Genesis 22 was a picture for you and I. It was a picture so that we would know the heart of God and just what it would mean for someone to actually go through that and actually give his one and only son as a sacrifice. You see, God's grace and God's mercy to us had a price. Because this father actually went through with it. This father actually sent his son to planet Earth to suffer and die for people that weren't worth it. And yet God, in his mercy... We are the direct descendants of the two greatest criminals ever to walk the face of this earth, Adam and Eve. There is no violation since that has even begun to compare to their offense. And yet God, in his mercy, offered to save not only Adam and Eve, but us as well. Titus chapter 3 middle of verse 4 Paul says when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done but because of his mercy 
You know, the whole secularized Christmas with Santa Claus is such a joke compared to the real good news. Did you ever think about this? That Santa Claus uh, operates in the exact opposite way that God does. With Santa Claus, his promise is one of merit. You get Christmas gifts as long as you haven't been naughty. And with Jesus, you only get the Christmas gift if you recognize you have been naughty. That's the mercy of God. I don't know. There's a lot of people I see out here this morning. I don't know. I don't recognize you. I don't know who you are. I don't know how you think. I don't know how you live your life. I don't know what matters to you and what doesn't matter to you. But hear this. You mattered so much to God that he was willing to go through with what he only asked Abraham to do but didn't ask him to go through with. That God did go through with offering his son for you on your behalf because of his mercy. I was reading this morning in my quiet time, Revelation chapter 6. And it's a picture of when Jesus comes back to exercise his judgment on the world. And in verses 15 and 16, it says that when that time comes, that there will be kings and rulers and important people, the high, lowly, the free and the slave, the wealthy. And all of them are going to flee to the mountains and beg rocks to fall on them and hide them from the one who sits on the throne and the wrath of his son, the lamb. Because they had ample opportunity to say yes to God's mercy and didn't. And now it was too late. And I'm not usually one to try to frighten people, but I do want to make sure that everyone knows that there is a time coming when God's mercy will come to an end. But for today, his mercy gate is open. And if you would like to respond to God's mercy, as so many people here have already, if you would like to respond to God's mercy, and admit, too, that you've been naughty because it is our sin that separates us from God and receive Christ. We have a prayer room right out that back door and first door to the right. There'll be some people over there. We'll be glad to chat with you and make things as clear as you need them to be in order for you to respond to God's mercy. And, and if you're a follower of Jesus and you have already responded to God's mercy. Let me just urge you during these Christmas days to remember what it cost your God 
to make a way for you. And maybe on Christmas Day, as part of your prayer before you eat, or another time if you pray with your family, to thank God for his mercy. Because it was by his mercy that he gave you Jesus. Father, thank you for that. We understand that it cost you a great deal to show us show us mercy to take people like me sinners and to save us price of your only son that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him we love you and we thank you for Christmas in Jesus name amen